Welcome to the Sports Squire Podcast, a platform engineered specifically for you to deliver content relative to the fields of training, performance, and rehabilitation. Challenge the status quo and raise your game through changing your mindset and your action. As you embark on your journey as a sports squire, subscribe to the show to get real-time updates to new episodes. Don't miss an opportunity to apply what you've learned today. Explore, engage, learn, implement, benefit. This is the way of the sports squire. Welcome, sports squire community. I'm your host, Brad Howe. I'm a former collegiate athlete, exercise enthusiast, and physical therapist over the last decade in the realm of orthopedics and sports rehab. I hope you're enjoying the sports squire podcast platform up to this point in time. I truly mean that we are really working for you to bring you the best content. And what I'd like to do is just to roll out to everyone the Sports Squire mission statement to better identify you know, why I have uh, have put this passion project into play and, and how all of you can benefit from the, the knowledge and education and motivation and encouragement that comes out of these episodes every single week. So the mission statement of Sports Squire is to break expert barriers to knowledge related to to training, performance, and rehabilitation to help you live out your most active life. For a lot of people that are out there, they don't have access to top knowledge expert advice in anything. And, you know, for myself, being someone who's been extremely passionate about movement, about training, about performance, being a physical therapist, it ties in all of the the, the areas that I truly enjoy that I know that I can give back to the masses and I can help break down the barriers for most people that don't have as as much privilege as, as most people have. And the name Sports Squire can be a little misleading for some, but the idea behind Sports Squire is that there is an opportunity for, for all of us to be mentors or to be mentees and the hope is is that as we form this community there's a lot of topics that can help guide and mentor out there that are looking for more and that may be from an average joe or jane that's out walking the streets that just wants to be uh you know more active wants to lift their kids is is committed to that it may be an athlete that's that's looking to search for that next level uh, to get to, but either way, you know, this is for the committed. This is for people that are just fed up with essentially, you know, being on the couch and and not reaping benefits of, of physical activity. And, and that's where I can help come in and help create a uh, synergistic delivery of, of information and, and expert advice that you otherwise would not be able to get without, you know, having several different functions that you'd have to search through. So I'm hopeful that as the segments go on, you're able to piece these together and that this is able to motivate you and encourage you to get to the next level of being the best version of yourself that you can be. So speaking to that, you know, I want to identify some consistencies in in the programming. You know, I think looking through uh, the future episodes, I gave a, a prelude to uh, episodes to come, and this is this will be the first of a three-part series. 
coming out, which I'm excited about, and I hope you all are excited about as well. I think it's really going to add a lot of value back to what you can do to help get you um, on the right track. And But every Thursday uh, at 4 p.m., we will be releasing a brand new Sports Squire episode every single week. So mark your calendars. This will be a consistent uh, execution and delivery of content every single week uh, moving forward. And I'm super excited to, to give all of you this information for free. And one of the things that I also want to point out to is, is the Sports Squire newsletter. I mentioned in the prelude that there was a, uh, a new Sports Squire newsletter that's going to be coming out. And this will be coming out at the beginning of September. And if you have not already, thank you for, for several of you that have already emailed me already and that are interested in the newsletter. You can email me at bradhowelldpt at gmail.com. That's B-R-A-D-H-O-W-E-L-L-D-P-T at gmail.com with the title Squire, And I will put you on the list to get monthly newsletters starting in September. That will be jam-packed with a ton of wellness education and tips to help you master your own wellness journey. Uh, and then also, you know, I want to give a little plug at the end of this episode. So that the title of this episode is Build a Foundation That Keeps You Coming Back. There's a lot of jam-packed information in today's episode, and I want to encourage all of you to listen to the, until the very end because it is uh, there's a lot of depth uh, that is uh, associated with this segment, and I want you to bear with me. And if you bear with me, I'll give you some instructions at the end uh, that will be tied back to a PDF that I am more than willing to share uh, with anyone that is interested that relates back to exercises that can help target uh, the theories that I'm going to be talking about today in regards to building a great foundation in your own personal training program. So if you uh, stick around, you will get that at the end. Uh, of course, you will have to email me uh, at that bradhowdpt at gmail.com if you are interested in getting the free PDF with targeted exercises. Like I said, this platform is for all of you and your personal benefit. So make sure to take advantage of that. So diving into today's episode, what I want to get to is that too often individuals jump into certain programs without attention to, to very basic things like mobility, activation of important muscle groups uh, through full, full range of motion, stability, and translating that into, into things that are just more functionally based and are part of your everyday activities. And so... Build a foundation that keeps you coming back is all about trying to put first things first and trying to create a system that allows you to win and to eventually progressively load into it. But in order to get into a healthy progressive training program, you have to, in my opinion, very strong opinion, have to put these things first. And you know, often when we jump straight to loading, you know, strength training or getting into a high uh, frequency intensity program, um, and there's no no respect for progressive loading over time, uh, we start to see injuries. And far too many times, you know, in the clinic over the years, I've seen individuals who need a ton of repetition with just executing these small movements, um, and and yet they've been overlooked because all they've done is jumped right into a training program and 
right away they have you know neglected to address some of the deficits in mobility and activation and movement um, that that could really set them up for success um, but instead they they are adding strength to dysfunction so um, you know a lot of individuals out there um, you may be one of these I was certainly one of these being a former athlete being extremely competitive you know all of us think, you know, if something is easy or if you're able to do it, that you need more resistance right away. And, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that there is a lot more success uh, when you focus on movements early on over, you know, focusing on maximal loading. So um, I truly believe that starting a program with the focus, you know, on that optimal muscle activation, you know, considering the full range of motion is the most important detail when you're looking to get the most out of long-term gains. So I think that the cool thing about this approach is, is you're addressing mobility restrictions, you're prepping your your system, neuromuscular system, for the introdu- introduction of progressive loading, which just means that that you're, you're getting mobility, you're getting uh, activation, you're getting all of the things that you're going to need um, to get into higher weight resistance, um, prior and and research has really even shown and I remember you know when I was a Ball State University uh, undergrad studying exercise science I spent uh, time in the strength laboratory human human performance laboratory there at Ball State it's a renowned uh, facility for for exercise kinesiology and ton of studies done on how you know adaptations to new training programs the first four weeks almost a hundred percent of those gains are neuromuscular they're not actual strength gains it's your central nervous system getting adjusted to new movements and new uh, loads. And, uh, you know, that's the same reason why during the, the starting a new program, putting first things first, the, the goal with mobility and with activation and with, um, you know, taking the, the muscles and the joints through a full range of motion and being able to even recruit what we call time under tension, you know, holding for a certain period of seconds, um, it allows you to recruit more motor units and to actually put an influence on that range of motion and on that central nervous system, which is going to allow you down the road after that first four to six weeks um, to put more and more stresses on your system to get more more gains. Um, but the, the refinement of that central nervous system needs to be respected because from from the spine and all the nerves that that essentially go out into the periphery, into your extremities, um, all the way up to your brain, it is refining movement on an automatic, regular basis. And, you know, there's ways for us to, through programming, you know, improve that movement correction. So, you know, whether you're, you know, a young mother that's, you know, just wanting to pick up her child, you know, and, and you're, you're struggling to squat down to the floor, you're having knee pain, because maybe you're having, you have a lack of mobility or you have a lack of recruitment strategies of those muscles, to actually get there, or maybe you're an athlete who is a sprinter that uh, is is needing you know very fast, short burst, uh, quick explosion type movements. If we're not adapting you and preparing you, and you don't have the proper mobility and range of motion and activation of the muscles that are required to actually get into that force production, then we're setting you up to fail. So. A lot, a lot to, to focus on early on with building this strong foundation in regards to knowing that resistance and load is not the most important thing as we're starting out on a new program. And, uh, 
you know, I think some of the things that restrict us, uh, you know, whether you're an, an athlete, student athlete uh, that is sitting in class all day, or you're a weekend warrior who has a nine to five job, or most of us these days, you know, an eight to 7 p.m. job, um, you know, you are more than likely doing a ton of computer work. Your environment is in front of you. Your posture is forward. You're more rounded. Um, we have to combat and train out of those postures because those are shortening the soft tissue um, that is going to restrict your optimal movement capacity. Um, so there is a sense of rest restoration when we're going through some of these programs that we have to individually assess every single person a little bit differently knowing where your restrictions are um, in order to get better activation you know, through those ranges of motion all the way up and down. There's a lot of lot of you out there that do repetitious work, um, whether it's being a painter or whether it's uh, you know you're a, a pitcher or whatever that may be. You know those things can create imbalances that we have to restore and have to have respect towards, um, and even just prolonged sitting and standing. You know the, the the new motto these days is that sitting is the new smoking, for several different reasons. One is you know you're you're sitting down, you're shortening. Uh, so many different joints from, you know, your ankle to your knees, to your hips, to your lower back, to um, your shoulders and neck, you know, everything is, is basically put into a flexed forward posture, which can really change the length tension relationship of several different muscles, which can lead to postural dysfunction. Um, you know, tons of different uh, injuries that can just be nagging and, and eventually turn into chronic issues. So those are things that we have to address as well. Um, when it comes to, to flexibility. So, so just knowing that and knowing that that is some of the information that we base uh, building this foundation off of is this neuromuscular adaptation concept and knowing that loading is not the most important thing, but actually looking at restoration of mobility, um, playing into stability uh, as that second tier in, in the pyramid, and then eventually the top part of the pyramid is function, which will always essentially follow um, that mobility, that strength, dynamic stability. You can't get one with the, without the other. So with all that said, how do you build a strong foundation? I'm sure a lot of you are sitting there thinking, how the heck do I build this foundation? This sounds amazing, but a lot of the words that you're using are way too big for me, or uh, maybe you guys are therapists out there, you understand this, but like, you know, how do I focus um, on, on improving this foundation. And, and in my opinion, I've always had a very um, kind of core approach and, and moving out towards the extremities. And so what I mean by that is, you know, I think the, the orientation and the activation and the mobility of your spine from your cervical spine, which is your neck, all the way down to your lumbar spine, which is your lower back, have to have optimal movement patterns. They have to have optimal length, tension, um, you know, uh, prerequisites, you know, in regards to, to your mobility and your strength in order to have healthy function with all your daily activities. So for me, the most important thing to look at is resting position of your spine and sitting and in standing. And what I like to evaluate uh, with all of my, my clients and, and people that I've worked with throughout the years is, is looking at essentially three different areas. And um, that essentially is the low back, the, the middle part of your shoulder blades, and then your neck. And, you know, I think that resting position is so important because of the fact that 100% of spine, spinal issues, even extremity issues that are non-pathological, so they don't have 
you know, pathology that's been determined upon MRI, they're 100% mechanical. So if they're mechanical, then that means that we can fix them, we can influence uh, the loading that's going through those mechanics, which means if we offload uh, the structures that are going through that joint and we offload the tissue that's attaching to that joint, therefore you should have less pain. So um, the, the cool thing as well, you know, when we look at even just pain, people go through that, is that the, 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 inter, the innervation of the nervous system, so the nerves that are innervating into certain muscle groups that are coming off the spinal cord and, and essentially providing electricity to those muscles, they have two major functions. Number one is pain response. Number two is, uh, you know, basically muscle control, muscle activation. And what happens is if, if you are not, if you're in a lot of pain, usually your muscle activation is lower. If your muscle activation is higher in certain areas, usually it overrides uh, your pain response. So that is another really cool neurophysiological thing that happens uh, from, a, from a gait you know, theory standpoint in regards to gating your pain that, you know, the, the lazier you are, the more you sit on a couch, the more pain you mo- most likely are going to have. But if you are up and active and using your muscles, um, you may have less of a pain response because of that override of that nerve. So um, that's just something to, to take into consideration. Um, so starting out, you know, I think there's three areas. And what I want all of you to do, uh, if you've got a chair right now, if not, hit pause right now. I want you to sit and slide your feet out towards the edge of your chair as you're sitting down. And the first thing that I want you to do is to uh, put your feet flat on the floor, your butt on the edge of your seat, and I want you to just to rotate your hips forward so that your lower back is flat and more upright. So it's going to make you feel like you're sitting a little bit taller. This is what I call step one. So this is the keystone and the foundation of postural re-education. Um, and, and from a posture standpoint, like... Just to be clear to everyone out there, posture is a very interactive, active term. You know, some people out there will say, my mom to- taught me posture when I was a kid and it's sit up straight. Your, your mom lied to you because posture has not nothing to do with just, you know, sit up straight. Is It's a range of motion issue. It's an awareness issue. It's an endurance issue. Um, and it's an activation issue. So um, there's a lot of things that, that really really play into um, having, you know, active posture that essentially is intended to unload the structure so that you have less pain and that you're, you have a capacity for moving more efficiently. Um, so I just want to kind of elaborate on that. But essentially, so you're sitting there right now saying, okay, get to step two. Step one, your edge of the seat, you know, essentially your pelvis is, is rotated forward. Your lower back is straight. Second part, step two, is that you're rotating your shoulders back towards your shoulder blade and you're moving them down. So you're avoiding shrugging your shoulders up. What that does is that makes your shoulder blades kind of kiss together and all of the good muscles that are essentially on the inner part of your shoulder blade that are attaching towards your spine um, are shortened and it allows you to open up your chest wall. Um, It actually allows you to breathe a little bit better because your ribs can expand better in that position. you know, one thing we'll get into here in a little bit is that if your shoulder blades are down and back, that actually influences the position of the ball of the shoulder and the socket. 
because all four of your rotator cuff tendons essentially are originating from your shoulder blade and attaching to the top part of the ball of the shoulder. So if that shoulder blade starts to tip out or tip up, it's going to close down the ball and socket portion, which is going to cause a little bit more impingement type syndromes, which is a rotator cuff impingement. It's And essentially all a uh, majority of, of most middle-aged rotator cuff tears happen because of the seesawing effect of uh, the tendon underneath the bony arch because of the fact they have poor active posture. So second part is, is really making sure their shoulder blades are down and in. Third part is making sure that your chin is down and in. And a couple different things that we look at from an assessment standpoint is can an individual get their chin down towards their chest? If they can't, and they're, they're reporting sensation of stretching in the back part of that upper cervical area, upper, upper, upper neck area, that tells us that they more than likely have some restrictions within the upper cervical spine or even the muscles that are attaching to uh, those upward most cervical segments. Typically, you know, C1 and C2 um, will, will restrict uh, whenever you have a forward posture. So those are things that we definitely want to look at and uh, learn how to get a little bit more mobility with. So, you know, I mentioned all of those things, and, and even let me wrap up with, with the neck as well. Like the, the deep neck cervical stabilizers are so important in actually getting your chin to pull down, but it's almost impossible to get those muscles going and if you don't have the mobility on the backside of your neck to elongate and off offload that structure that's going through your neck. So... Um, you know, I mention all of these things because what I just said to you, step one, step two, step three, pelvis over your lower back, getting your lower back a little bit more extended so it's neutral, getting your shoulder blades down and in so that's neutral with your lower back, getting your chin down towards your chest so that your neck is neutral with all the different functions. That neutrality is extremely important to ensuring that we are offsetting load in static positions. So that resting position tells us everything. If you can't get into a certain range of motion with a resting position, that tells us that you have mobility restrictions because you're not even doing anything and you have horrible uh, you know, ability to achieve those, uh, those certain benchmarks. So what I love to do is to, to start there and to figure out how do I impact this individual the most um, by getting information about their resting spine posture and then what I do is I periodize a plan that essentially attacks mobility and stability, you know, because those are the two parts of the lower part of the triangle, which will eventually then, you know, improve your function. So I will put them, whoever it is, on a mobility program for their lumbopelvic area, which is the, the step one, phase one. I will put them on a mobility and activation plan for the shoulder blades. So we'll look at the middle traps, rhomboids, lower traps that are all going to pull that shoulder blade back in towards the spine and help them to, to take pressure off of the off of the spine in that area. And then I'm going to work um, through the mobility of that upper cervical spine, make sure that they can elongate, offload those segments, and then strengthen up those deep neck flexor muscles. That's going to help you maintain that neutral spine. So those are three really big focal points that I make a big deal about. I look at uh, you can assess that, you know, individually because everyone's going to be a little bit different. And then what I do is I prescribe a series of exercises that will help you to get better neuromuscular adaptations and responses, better range of motion within 
those certain neutral positions. And then, you know, also, you know, ensuring that you can take all of the joints within that, the, the spine through all of its, its normal physiological motions so that there's no limitations in regards to what you can or cannot do throughout the day. So now that we've addressed, you know, the, the spinal neutrality theory in regards to how we offset certain loads through identifying certain resting postures, what I want to move forward on is, you know, the, the impact of your hips and shoulders as part of the foundation that, that will continue to keep you healthy and progressively loading into a new program. And, you know, there's something that is, is extremely, um, you know, analogous, you know, when you look at the, the hip and shoulders and, you know, there's an incredible influence that both areas have on spinal loading. And, you know, they're, they're designed that when they're efficiently trained, they offset the loads through those muscles that cross those joints at that particular point in the spine and help to reduce force. Um, both joints of the hip and shoulder, both ball and socket joints, so they both um, have lateral rotators that are extremely important to the loading mechanisms of both the upper and the lower extremity. For example, you know, looking at your, your hip and your lateral hip rotator, so the muscles, if you're to put your, your finger on the side of your hip and you feel that little bony ball, and then you go just towards the back part on your butt, that's essentially your, your lateral hip rotators on the back side of that hip. You know, those, when activated in good sequence, uh, essentially allow for the, the femoral head, which is the ball of that, of that socket, to be stabilized uh, in the socket, and, and it thus controls the position of your knee, your ankle, and your foot. So there's a ton of research out there that shows that lateral rotation weakness in the hip muscles um, create a misalignment or uh, a missed opportunity to control the, the knee and the ankle because of its rotational factor. So if, if, you're, if you can visualize, if that hip is not able to move, let's say your right hip is not able to move rotationally to the right, um, whenever you take a step, naturally we internally rotate or rotate to the left, um, which essentially can cause strain on the outer hip muscles. It can create compression at the knee joint. Um, it can create you know compressive forces behind the kneecap in the joint. And then it also... Um, can change the, the, the ground foot mechanics of how your foot is loading. So extremely important is getting range of motion in your hips uh, equally you know, healthy between internal and external rotation, but most importantly, really strengthening up those, uh, those lateral hip rotators within a full range of motion and creating a foundation of good muscle activation within that range so that we can eventually... Um, progress you to more dynamic stabilization exercises, more functional exercises that mimic, um, you know, walking, going up and down stairs, squatting, lifting from the floor, all those different mechanical things that require good hip, knee, and ankle stability. Um, so, you know, there's there's a lot of, uh, of things out there that the, the cool thing about your hips is that when they're weak or when they're tight, it is going to positively or negatively impact above the chain and below the chain. So it's going to negatively impact, negatively impact or positively impact your lower back. In the same uh, fashion going down, it's going to positively or negatively impact your uh, knee and your ankle. So, you know, proper, uh, the best way to properly activate those muscles um, is, is on inside lying essentially against gravity. So a lot of what we do is we train 
clients on their sides, uh, and we, we start with a lever arm theory. So if you think of physics, the longer the lever arm, the more force you have to generate. The shorter the lever arm, the less force you have to generate. So typically bending your knees, having your knees and ankles uh, placed on, on your side, and doing what we call a clamshell, and really controlling for that motion, making sure that you're not compensating through your lower back is extremely important to activating and learning how to recruit in sequence those lateral hip rotators. And when you're able to do that, which a lot of people, I'm sorry out there, are motor morons. You know, even some of these athletes that are strong as an ox have very poor activation and control of their lateral hip rotators. So, you know, stripping things down and getting down to a basic point of, uh, of really working against gravity on your side is extremely important to, uh, to, to, to really helping to offload your spine and offload, um, you know, your hips and knees eventually, you know, as we progress that muscle activation sequence into a more functional pattern with your feet on the ground. Similarly, so as we talked about the lateral hip rotators, how important they are to the lower back and even to the lower extremity, we think as well about the shoulder and the rotator cuff tendons. And talked a little bit about that when we're talking about, you know, the different three steps of, of good posture, resting posture in, in regards to your spinal uh, neutrality and what muscles and what positions can kind of be, um, you know, pathological or can become issues if you have mobility restrictions or strength issues. But essentially the, the rotator cuff tendons, because of the fact that they're originating on the shoulder blade, it is a huge focus point from a foundation perspective within your training program to ensure first and foremost that the muscles on the inner side of your shoulder blade are getting trained. So we're, we're essentially targeting lower trap, middle trap, your rhomboids. Those are all pulling the shoulder blade down and in, and that is essentially going to increase the space between the ball and the top part of that bony arch that's in your shoulder. Essentially, between that bony arch and the ball of your shoulder sits your four rotator cuff tendons. So, you know, the, the importance, one, of stabilizing your shoulder blade back against your rib cage and, and approximating the tissue from the inner border of that shoulder blade towards your spine to slack that tissue up, not to tension it, sets the, uh, the, the position of that ball and socket in, in a better position. Second and secondarily, you know, as we look at the rotator cuff tendons, they're attaching up on the ball. So essentially what their job is to do is to work in, in opposition of your deltoid. And essentially your deltoid big muscle is going to create what we call a superior force. So that force of the ball is going to go up. That rotator cuff tendon is working when it's rotating and it's balanced, um, you know, into working, rotating into external rotation. It's going to center the ball into the socket, which is going to increase the maximal amount of space between that bony arch I just talked about and those rotator cuff tendons. So what we'll see a lot of times with people that have torn rotator cuff tendons is that they'll have a shrug sign. So they'll, they'll, the ball will start to ride up against that bony arch because they no longer have the ability to saddle that ball back into the socket because they've lost that active muscle control. Um, and, and for people that don't have torn rotator cuffs, they just have weak endurance or weak activation. They can get very similar type concepts, which can lead to a non-tear, but it's on the continuum of a rotator cuff tear, which is called rotator cuff impingement. So a lot of times, you know, you'll get impingement in the, in the backside 
uh, in the lateral side of, of your uh, shoulder as well in the front where your long head of your biceps runs right underneath the, the bony arch up top. And our goal is through stabilizing that shoulder blade back, strengthening those shoulder blade muscles, working through external rotation and centering that ball on the socket is to open up the space of that shoulder. So what that does twofold is it one, it takes pressure off the center part of your spine when your shoulder blades are um, well conditioned and those muscles are well conditioned and the joint has full range of motion and extension, rotation, all of that. Um, and then secondarily, you know, looking at the activation and the endurance of those rotator cuff muscles to actually be able to derotate your shoulders, get you out of that forward posture and decrease your, your risk for rotator cuff impingement. So, you know, a lot of information I threw at everybody out there. And, you know, I think this to me is obviously a very passionate, uh, subject, you know, because I, I see so often trainers, physical therapists, uh, individuals jump into training programs and automatically they want to get results. They're focused on lag measures as opposed to focusing on what we call lead measures, which are, you know, things that are progressively going to build you up to get the outcomes that you want. And, you know, you can't focus on outcomes. You have to focus on the things that are going to lead you to your outcomes. And if you're in this to make a lifestyle change and to, to lead a healthier lifestyle, then you have to strip it down and you have to look to restore your normal. You have to look to optimize your ability um, to achieve better uh, mobility and range of motion throughout your spine um, that can eventually trickle into your extremities like we talked about and how important your hips and your shoulders are with training. And then from that point on, you know, what our goal is, is essentially you don't stop doing, you know, a lot of these exercises that are more uh, activated, endurance-based, uh, time under tension-based, um, and lack that loading and that resistance. What we then do after we do a six-week program, which is what I recommend uh, for everyone as you're starting a new program, you start six weeks, no weights. We work purely on mobility, activation, uh, stability, um, getting you under that neuromuscular adaptation so it's allowing your central nervous system to adapt and get prepared for increased loading. And then as we start to progressively load, as you've proven that you can hit those benchmarks, uh, we start using some of these postural exercises as prep work. Um, so for instance, you know, for a lot of the throwing athletes that I work with that are overhead athletes, I first want to restore their range of motion you know, fine tune their, their strength and their stabilization and, and get all of those mechanics worked out. But then as they get to that point and they need to load and we need to improve their strength in several different areas, you know, what I'll do is I won't discontinue those completely. I will start with, you know, an IYT program on their stomach that, um, off of a table that, you know, targets their lower trap, their middle trap, their, their rhomboids, you know, I'll get them in sideline and put a towel under their, uh, your armpit to increase the amount of activation of their, you know, external rotators in their shoulder to help increase that load, um, and help increase the, the mobility demands that they have. But yet, um, those are all prep things, you know, those are things that aren't, you know, necessarily, uh, you know, large body movements, you know, functional movements. So those are things that are incredibly, um, you know, important. So, you know, the saying, you know, across training and rehab areas, one I've adopted over is treat locally, think globally. Um, 
And one of the reasons behind that is you have to find limitations where you're at. And it's okay to treat them locally, but you really have to think globally on how everything fits back together. Um, so that prep work eventually we will become more of a maintenance program uh, for most people. But that only gets to that point once you've hit the benchmarks of actually getting through a six-week program and being able to restore uh, more of that mobility and that stability. So in conclusion and summary, one of the most important things to think about is building a great foundation that can reduce your injury rate, can improve your essentially uh, capacity. It can reduce the amount of uh, compensations that happen from a musculoskeletal perspective. All of us need to understand that, that we beautifully compensate throughout our spine, throughout our extremities, throughout our entire bodies of our movements to the path of least resistance. We're always going to, to move efficiently because it takes and requires the least amount of energy to move um, in, in a certain limited way. We're always going to take that path of least resistance. So having a program that focuses on the concepts that I just described will set you up for success um, to one, mechanically, you know, be more efficient with your movements and train you how to, you know, move more efficiently and activate muscles that are extremely important to not only reducing your, your rate of injury, but setting your foundation up to improve it to, to progressively load, which is going to make your central nervous system that much more adaptive and fine-tuned. So I really hope everyone has enjoyed this segment uh, I hope you're getting a ton out of this. I, I want everyone to be encouraged and to be motivated to get up and, and to get moving. Like I promised at the beginning of the segment, if you stuck around and you're interested in a PDF that lays out a six-week program for you to, to build this foundation that I've talked about, email me at bradhowdpt at gmail.com and put in the hashtag or the title up there, Sports Squire PDF and just Sports Squire PDF and I will send you that PDF directly to your inbox and would be more than happy to to give that to you to help you start out on your journey. And you know, I think for for all of you out there that may be going through some injuries uh, or having you know uh, health conditions, it's always best to consult with a healthcare professional before starting a program. I just want to add that disclaimer that you know I am not. Uh, you know, uh, unaware enough to know that there is, uh, you know, some of you out there that need to seek more medical oversight before starting a, a program like this. But uh, email me, bradhowdpt at gmail.com. I'll send that PDF over and let's choose to, uh, you know, have every day be an opportunity to get better and to uh, help push us forward in our journey. And I can't wait to talk to you next Thursday as we release this information on a weekly cadence. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Sports Squire podcast. Check out the show notes for anything you missed during today's episode. Click subscribe if you haven't already to ensure you get updates on the latest Sports Squire episodes. And remember, as a Sports Squire, your greatest self is found at the intersection of knowledge and action. Don't be normal, be a Sports Squire.